0: And we're live. Yep. The first episode of the Justin Spaulding Show. This is actually Ryder's uh, idea. Our content guy Ryder in here. Just a young young buck out of high school. Decided to skip college. Been our content guy. What you've been here for four months now? Yeah, almost five. Four months, almost five. And now he's actually rolling over from being like content creator to he's got a, he's got like one foot in the sales rep door of our painting company. So. It's expanding but this was uh basically yesterday's like we should just start a podcast I'm like let's do it tomorrow so here we are live one we're live on youtube we're live on instagram right now we're gonna be uh these will be these will be put out on youtube as well we'll keep them up on youtube right yeah so basically this yep. this will be up like tomorrow we'll be up right away yep. It'll stay up right after this is done. all right i'm a newbie so this will stay up this will stay up right when it's done so if you can't stay with us the whole time that's fine you'll be able to come later i've got like an hour to crank out questions i sent out um uh yesterday on different platforms i i asked people to submit questions on real estate money entrepreneurship business um whether it's real estate or not like it can be something else we got a painting company we're doing over here now so we got like all different types of questions that we want to be able to get into all the different types of all different types of topics um if you are joining for the first time you don't know who i am i'm justin spaulding uh from wisconsin so we're up here where it's a little bit colder than it is like down in florida if you're joining us from florida or texas but um, we've been uh, buying some real estate up here since about 2013. Um, I graduated college in 2012, I played college football throughout college, got super interested in real estate, started reading anything I could get my hands on, got out of college, got a sales role, saved all my money, bought a four unit, bought another four unit, 150 storage units, got other investors. Today we have um, 482 apartments. We've got a painting company that we just started back in March and um, we're looking to have a big 2021 and uh, with everything crazy going on in the world, is it really skipping around that bad? I can see myself up on the screen, but um, but with everything that's, that, that all this craziness going on in the world, um, just want to be able to try to continue to help other people get to maybe a place that they want to be. Um, and maybe they don't have the leadership or the guidance. Um, so hopefully this platform, this podcast can be a place where we can get Q and A's. We can have other guests come on at some point. Um, I, I know this, but the questions that we got, I was expecting to get like maybe 10, but we got like, I don't know, I, I didn't even add them all. We, I know we added for day show like 15 or 20 questions. I doubt in an hour um, we'll get through all those. So we'll just roll them to the next show. Um, but if you have questions, you can uh, shoot them. If you're watching live on YouTube, um, Texas is here, yep. So we got Texas, Connecticut, people joining from across the country. Um, if you have questions, you can shoot them in the live chat. It doesn't necessarily, we're gonna get to them today, but what we will do is we'll screenshot them. Um, and we will, do those questions stay up there forever? Yeah, you can see it in the replay later. All right. So the questions, we'll be able to keep the questions forever. and be able to roll them to our next show. Um, You know, a lot of times, too, the nice thing about these uh, communities and podcasts is people, other people scrolling through the questions might be able to answer your question in text format, and I might jump in there and do that as well later tonight and tomorrow and through the weekend. Plan is what? Do we want to do like one a week of these? Yeah, I think every Friday. Every Friday? One day next week every Friday, or we'll pick a day, one day a week, hopefully we'll go live and then we'll, we'll also put this probably out on like Spotify, sure. what, Apple? Why not? What else is out there? SoundCloud. SoundCloud, try to pump it out to everywhere. We got a guy from Illinois joining us. Hope you're not a bear fan, because they've been struggling. All right, let's jump into the first question. Let's get this thing rocking and rolling. Instagram, if you have questions, you can throw them up on there too. So the question is, Current view on real estate market with restrictions in place, um, the tenant psychology, government assistance, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. This is interesting. We talk about it every day, just because you know our our company. We've been collecting about depending on the month, 93 to 96 percent of our scheduled rents, um, which you know is better than the national average. Um, but it's still, it's, it's worrisome, you know, I mean, cause what happens if all this stuff goes on? I mean, is the government going to keep lending out money forever? Are they going to keep pumping money into the system? And what are the consequences of that? You know, I think, um, the business person sometimes is made out to be a, or the money person or whatever they're viewed as pigs or, uh, just, there's a bad light sh- sh- uh, shining on them from some people, a lot of the world. And it's kind of sad because we've actually gone out of our way to really help our tenants. Um, And it's amazing to me with all the grants and everything that are out there, local, federal grants that tenants can get to help them pay their rent if they've got caught in a tough situation. We as landlords and property management company and owners of property and owners of apartments, we cannot actually fill that paperwork out for them. So we have to get them the paperwork. We print it off, we get it to them. They gotta fill it out, send it in to get the money because the money's not sent to us, it's sent to the, the tenant and they gotta pay us. It's amazing how many people will just pass on that. They don't even get back to us. So we try to help um we've got we've got a handful of tenants right now that show that 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 have been able to show us proof that they've been actually affected uh by covid and we've been willing to help those people right so we we put a payment plan in place with them and if they abide by the payment payment plan nothing wrong with it like crap happens in life we want to help each other out then on the other end of the spectrum you got people who are just using and playing the system playing the game where we try to contact them and there's no answer they can't show us any proof and they just choose to not pay rent because of the eviction moratorium which is just craziness that's going on um and uh that's going to come back to haunt them i think that there will be a lot of evictions once this eviction moratorium is lifted uh hopefully at the end of january um but my current view on real estate and, and the whole market that was just my quick little rant on what's going on with with uh, the deferral of rents and, and all that stuff um You know good people good things are going to come to good people bad things you know people that are playing the game and and then just bad people and and this is property owners included bad people like the good people and the bad people both have what's coming to them in the long run that's how i look at it but the actual current view on the real estate market i mean we're still under even with all that going on and some of the unknowns i mean we're under contract right now to purchase um over 200 units uh here in wisconsin we're closing next month so our outlook, you know, we're, we're long-term. I'm not just looking to do this for the short-term. I was just on a pod- podcast before this actually with some guys out of, I think, Tennessee. And this kind of came up and I'm just like, you know, I'm not looking for the next, just the next six months. I'm not looking for just the t- next 12 months. And every single deal that we do, we're always looking at the long-term and we're always looking at things that can go wrong. And if they go wrong, like we make sure that we can still hang onto the property and make progress with our plan to then get to the spot where the property is ready to sell in 4 years or 5 years or 10 years right um and if it's not ready to sell in 4 years or 5 years and 10 years for us to make the big return on our money then we'll just keep holding it paying down debt cash flow in it sending out distribution checks every month to our ten, uh to our our, our our investors and then just kind of go from there so that's that's a little bit my current view i mean we're still buying um i think um you've been been paying attention at all, if you're already in this world a little bit. Eddie, what's going on from Birmingham? What's going on, Eddie, you the man? Um, This current environment, I mean, lumber is going through the roof right now. The cost of lumber is way up over the last year. The um, building materials in general are way up. I mean, you know, the cost of, it's hard to get appliances right now. I mean, some of these costs and some of these things are going through the roof. And then if you look at, depending on how much, power the democrats end up with over the next four to eight years there could be more regulations right well if there's more regulations that's also going to uh more regulations means more time more headache more attorneys uh, more delays and when you have all that stuff everything gets more expensive right so if the right democrats get in charge i think um new development will only be more expensive to build um and if that's more expensive to build then either the government is subsidizing it um but they'll never subsidize all of it. Uh, and also if you already own real estate because new real estate costs more to develop, that's also gonna raise the price of the real estate that you already own. So as long as you're getting into these deals, not expecting to get out in one or two years or have to be out in one or two or three years and you're buying smart, you're not over leveraging, it's gonna be good for the long term. It always is good for the long term, but you gotta be able to hold on to the real estate long enough and be able to make it through the downtimes uh, to, to, for it to be really good for you right so like this deal that we're doing right now we're about 70 72 percent loan to value so we're not going to be over leveraged we've got you know another six figures almost seven figures uh worth of money sitting in a bank account for repairs and just for unexpected things so we're coming to deals with a lot of excess cash when covid first happened before uh all this all these uh all the money was just being printed and, and handed out from the government to help people get through I looked at i looked at all of our cash accounts i'm like okay how long can we make it through if we have zero revenue coming in how long can we make it and um you know we were able to make it based on my calculations we were able to make about six months if we had zero revenue coming in so that's how we're putting deals together we're always having a lot of cash we're not we're not trying to put ourselves in a position to fail when something goes wrong because i'm always expecting a fire i'm always expecting a flood i'm always expecting things to take longer than they should and cost more than they should because that's my mindset. What can go wrong will go wrong, and it does always go wrong, doesn't it, Ryder? You've been around here long enough now that you know that it's not always easy, and there's a lot of hectic days, and things are always going wrong, and we suck at a lot of stuff around here. But we're also really, really good in the big picture of things, too. Um, I think my viewpoint on just saying, we're gonna wrap this question up and go to the next one in a second. Some people are like, what do you mean you suck? I always, I'm never someone that spikes the football. I don't celebrate very often, so when we accomplish something, I'm like on to the next thing, and um, when you're always on to the next thing, and when you're always all about growth, uh, nothing is ever really good enough for you in your eyes. Things can always be better, right? So um, that's that question. Let's roll on to question number two. Well, how much time did that take? Right there, 15 minutes. 15 minutes in, we're one question in. Awesome. Instagram, if you have questions, I don't know if no people are watching. Oh, we do have some questions coming in, but uh eddie zach mark griffin anyone else that's watching live do we know how many people we have watching live right now Uh, like one my mom's probably watching 15 okay cool my mom and dad my sister that's three my grandpa and grandma probably on that's four or five (laughs) and my wife might be uh if she's in between patients maybe she's on so six we got 15 people six of them are family love you guys all right do we count as do we count as one do we count as one? A viewer? Like what, yeah. what you're doing? Oh, and we count as one. Yeah. So we got eight viewers right now. It's all family and it's us. So 50%. All right, awesome. Touching upon taxes as best practices. I know you're not a CPA. Um, so just in general, um, high level, right? This is what Trump got in trouble for, by the way. Doing the things that the politicians put in place and him using them to his advantage, he gets in trouble for now. I probably, Ryder, will never be able to be a politician because the last couple of years I've paid zero in income tax. And they're gonna be like, "This uh, 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 he's a thief. No, like you play by the rules, right? So how I view taxes and how we treat our business, right? The name of the game in business is to be as profitable as possible to keep, right? To make a lot of money, but not only to make a lot of money, but to keep what you earn, right? And while keeping what you earn and what you make, part of it is being able to be smart and have a team that helps you look at what you should do for uh, taxes. So throughout the year, um, we're obviously very diligent with what we're doing around here with our income statements and balance sheets and we're always reconciling everything every month and you know, we're on top of all that stuff. It's very, very, um, it's very noted, I guess you could say. It's very detailed, it's docu- It's very documented. Uh, every transaction that we have, every rent payment, every uh, interest payment, every payment for a new appliance, every bucket of paint that we buy, it's all accounted for here in our books. The reason for that is because if you keep track of your expenses in a business, you're able to write them off, right? That money is going out and as that money goes out, it's helping you run your business and build your business and for that, the government allows you to deduct that money from your taxable income, right? So what we do is we're very diligent. So starting January, what I recommend is you get on top of your shit. Like you get on top of your stuff um, and become organized when it comes to your money. Know how much money you have coming in, know how much money you have coming out. If you do not have an LLC set up, set up an LLC and start finding a side business that you can start with, direct sales is a great one, and start selling 100 to $500 a month of product, which is easy to do, It's easy to do, but when you have that LLC set up, you're able to put other expenses into that LLC. You're able to write them off, right? And it's gonna help you come tax season. Um, That's one small thing that you can do. What we do is we stay organized all year around September to um, mid-October. What we start to do is we start to look at the entire year And we're going to project out the rest of the year so if we're we're going to meet with our accountants let's say at the end of october what we're going to do is we're going to uh, go through january through september we're going to make assumptions for october through december on what our final year end numbers are going to look like we give that to our accountants when we go and meet with them our accountants give us a rundown basically of all of our entities everything that's going on and what our tax situation is going to look like and from that standpoint if I'm looking at that and we we've got we've got a million dollars of taxable income or $50,000 of taxable income or $5,000 of taxable income, immediately what I start to do is I start to look at what we can do over the next 3 months before the year ends, where we can put money and spend money so that it lowers that taxable income. So this year for example i can't remember the 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 amounts right off my the top of my head but we had a number that we were going to have to pay in for taxes so we started prime painters i'm like what what things are we going to buy in the first quarter of 2021 that i can buy in the fourth quarter of 2020 right so before the year ends i'm going to put an inventory order in for 2021 on things that we're using all the time rollers the long sticks with the extender Uh, I can't think of their name right now. Um, ceiling paint, uh, tape, masking paper, rosin paper. Um, I don't know if it's spelled rosin paper or rosin paper, but you get that GIF. Um, we're, we're, we're going to do some of that stuff because the expense is going to be recognized this year. It's going to lower our taxable income. I'm looking at, uh, I got pricing on billboards. And I'm gonna pay part of that upfront so it falls into this year, because we're gonna write it off. We bought a truck for Prime Painters, we're gonna write the entire $30,000 off. I've got it to a point where if we weren't doing this tax planning, if we were not doing the tax planning, I would've gotten to the end of the year and be like, oh shit, I still have I still have this that I'm gonna have to pay out in taxes. But because I'm ahead of the game, I know about how much I can spend that I'm gonna spend on bus- on my business anyways to help it grow but then it's going to also lower my taxable income right now. Also being in real estate, you're also highly favored and pretty blessed like Donald Trump was right. So as a full-time real estate person, you can write off all your passive losses from real estate investing and all that stuff against all of your income, your salaries and all that stuff. You can't do that if you're not a full-time real estate person. Um, So there's a benefit to being a full-time real estate person as well. Real estate benefits in so many different ways. It's just unbelievable. Um, but the really, my, my, my tax advice is you gotta, you can't do any of the things that will save you on taxes. If you don't have a business or an LLC set up, that doesn't mean like, once again, just set up an LLC, get started. Um, so if you don't have an LLC or a business set up, you can't do anything to help yourself. Really. If you're not organized throughout the year and on top of reconciling your accounts and what money you have going in and what money you have, what money you have coming in and what money you have going out and what and going out what categories those are for, you're really not gonna be able to do anything at the end of the year to save on your taxes. So the first two practical steps are get organized and start a business. And a business doesn't have to be a full-time thing. Start it, open up an LLC. Those are your first two steps. Right there, practical, uh, and then you just take it from there. Go, next question. Why did you pick painting over another type of contracting or different business area? I picked painting just for the simple standpoint that we had some. Uh, we had one. We had two. We had two common areas of. It was a eighty-eight unit pro- property that we have, and a forty-two unit property that we have, and we were going to paint the common areas. So all the hallways, the laundry rooms, you know, stuff like that, right? The, the stairwells, all the common areas, the entryways. Uh, we still recording. You doing all right? Yeah. Okay. Um. And so we were getting bids for those. I was seeing the bids and I'm like, oh my God, like this is is crazy how much it's costing. Cause I'm like, I got an idea. I'm not an idiot, right? I'm not the smartest person on the planet but I'm also not an idiot. And like, I'm looking at how big of a space it was and the bids that we were getting were just outrageous. And I'm like, we need to just start a painting company. And so the what i did was i thought about okay if i just use the projects that we have lined up right now to start to start the painting company i can hire two painters they can work on those projects it'll take them a little while to get it completed i know that by the time they're complete in a week or two weeks three weeks i know that i can have other jobs lined up if i just start advertising you know how i know that because when we send out bids right now for roofing for hvac for painting for carpeting for lvp for whatever it might be cabinets it takes forever for someone to get back to us. So I knew if I just started advertising and if I just picked up the phone and got back to people, I knew that we'd be able to line up jobs. So it was one because we already had jobs lined up, right? That's one of the reasons that I started it. Number two, I knew that there was a need and I knew that there was demand out there just from being in the in in relative or uh, sister uh, re- industries. Um, and then number three, I picked painting because like, if I start a snow removal business, I got to buy X amount of trucks and plows, whatever. If I start a roofing company, there's, I just felt there was more overhead there. And there was a lot more risk, whatever. Um, with painting, I mean, I hired the two painters. I opened a new LLC. I bought some rollers, some roller covers, (laughs) some of those extension pole things, uh, some five in one tools, a razor blade. I was all in and open for shop for like 3,000 bucks so like what and, and that was paid for and covered already with the two projects I already had let alone what was coming after that so for me it's just the barrier of entry was was relatively easy to get started uh, to start building it that's why so quick quick little advertisement here if, if you are not familiar with me uh, but I, I, I did write a book if you haven't heard I did write a book Go to Justin Just uh, go to JustinSpaulding.com, uh, pick up the book. It's awesome. We've been getting great feedback on it. Go check it out. Would love to hear your feedback on it if you've already read it. Next question. How many how many people we have live now? We dropping? Thirteen. Thirteen. All right. All right. So 60% is family and us here in this room. <laughs> Hey, Justin, I just wanted to message and ask you what books led you to the point you're at right now. I'm currently 17 and hope to get into real estate soon. And what better place to start than books? I make this argument all the time. I gotta get a swig of water, cause thirsty. Um, I get into this all the time with people where there's a big issue in the country right now. People are not financially educated and i i'm i truly truly believe that if people were actually actually really understood how money really worked cuz i'm telling you 0.25% of the country not even the top 1% not even the entire top 1% understands how real the money really works it's maybe like a a, a quarter of that top 1% really understand 0.25% of the people on planet realize how money actually works and and if that could just change i really think these the outlook of the whole world would be completely completely different some of the things going on in the world right now would not be going on um and it just is amazing to me because everyone can find every excuse in the book why they don't have 250 dollars to go out and buy a handful of books that will teach them everything almost everything that they need to know now they just got to go practice it but they're willing to go to school and spend thirty thousand dollars a year and spend money on an education, which for 80% of the people that go to school is a complete waste. Once again, if you're going to be a veterinarian or a dentist or a doctor or an attorney, I get it. You got to go, right? And you need to go. And it's important. It's a good investment. If you have no freaking idea what you want to do on this earth, and you're just going to go to school and you think that's going to solve your problems, you have, you're not, I can tell you right now, you're not wise with your money and it's just not a good decision. So what books would I recommend to get uh, started with to to the point that I'm at right now where I understand money? Um, I would read rich dad, poor dad, that's number one. Um, And rich dad, poor dad really gets you to understand what a real asset is, an asset is not the car you drive. Um, An asset is something that pays you every single month. And I'm not talking about it builds equity. And that's it. I'm talking about it writes you a check every single month you have money coming into your actual bank account that you could take out the next day money coming into your actual bank account every single month that's a true asset and that book really gets you thinking gets you to understand uh, why building your balance sheet with cash flow producing assets why and how powerful it is and it starts to show you how it gets you thinking right Um, so that's number one Number two, richest man in Babylon is a great one. Uh, once again, it just talks about building wealth and building cash flow, producing income. Um, it talks about buying assets and investing, um, and and it's really it's different than rich dad poor dad because it's more of, it's not like real life examples. It's more of a story, so it's like a fictional slash half real story, but it 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 goes through this guy's life and and just talks about. The wise decisions that he made and it just really opened my mind i was like wow this stuff stuff's awesome so rich dad poor dad's number one uh richest man in babylon's number two um and by the way any given day i might name a couple different books just because there's so many great ones out there think and grow rich uh by no napoleon hill is another really good one um grant cardone the 10x rule is a really good one my book the sure thing i promise you is a really good one that you can get at www.justinspaulding.com um that's a really good one that will, that has shown my whole journey. Um art of the deal by Donald Trump. Um billionaire invest bil- what's it called? There's another one by Donald Trump that's called uh uh Billionaire Lessons for the Small-Time Investor. Billionaire Lessons for the Small-Time Investor by Donald Trump and his attorney. That one is really good. Um Those are some really good ones right there to get you started. And if you wanna start with one, I would start with Richard Ported. I always say that just because that's the one I started with and that'll open up your mind. Now these books too, what I would always do, I would always read them like once every 12 to 18 months because as you read them, the next most important thing, Dennis, is to be able to implement and use what you're learning, not just to soak in all this knowledge and not do anything with it, right? So as you read the books, you start to do what the books are telling you to do and then you read the books again six months later, twelve months later, while you're starting to do, and other things in the books start to make really a lot more sense. Other things that maybe were over your head at first, that's okay, that's gonna happen. But things that were over your head at first, they'll they'll start to make sense with time. All right. Uh, so Dennis, that's what I recommend. Go pick up some of those books. I'm telling you right now, two hundred fifty dollars worth of books, and they can be used books. So you can probably buy Rich Dad Poor Dad for like eight bucks. I don't know. You can probably buy Rich. Actually, richest man. Smith... New... You got a new one? For like nine nine bucks Ryder. rider took my advice went to amazon.com got rich dad poor dad for nine dollars that was a new one by the way he said you didn't have all these crusty pages you had brand new crisp pages talk about using your personality strengths and hiring out your weaknesses uh so it's also it's it's about hiring out your weaknesses but also then things that you have become not too good you're never when you own a business you're never too good to do certain things but things that are not best use of your time. So it's not best use of my time right now to go out and do the sales rep stuff that we're doing for Prime Painters. That's why Ryder's doing it. And you can make a great living there. You can make $7,500, $200,000 a year being a sales rep, but it's not best use of my time with what we're doing with all the real estate stuff, right? So it's, it's, it's weaknesses, but it's also best use of your time. Now, that being said, I also, there was a time this year, I crank, I've i cranked out 150 estimates this year. And I got a damn good closing ratio, right? I don't know if you're going to be able to beat I can it. Beat it. Uh, so, so yeah, I, because I wasn't too good, but it also it wasn't worth my time to continue doing that. That's why I had to fill the role, right? I had to fill the spots. So, um, a little bit more on this topic, right? it's it's also not just strengths and hiring out weaknesses it's also having the capital to do so so when i was first starting in the resources capital and resources to do so so when i was first starting this whole thing it was always like okay what comes first all the assets and the businesses or the people like i grassrooted this thing like bootstrapped it from the grassroots and my phone is driving me nuts i gotta turn this i gotta turn this on vibrate Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I grew this thing from the from the uh, just from the ground up right bootstrapped it so I couldn't just hire all these people right away I started with 20 grand so for me what came first was I had to build a book of business I had to go out and buy assets right and now good thing I was buying assets that any idiot could have ran because I was hiring people that definitely probably were not the most qualified for where I wanted to go to to begin with. It would be one sit down with them be like, yep, hey, you're hired, let's roll because I got to go out and buy more buildings so that I have more resources coming in from those buildings, aka cash flow from those buildings to then hire more people and more talented people. So it's in phases, right? So I got to the point finally where I had enough money to do that and I kept buying assets, right? And as I bought more assets, it got to the point where now the people that I had working here, because I hired them so fast, they didn't fit my core values. So now I'm walking around the building all day on eggshells because I knew if I said the wrong thing, I was gonna piss someone off and they were gonna be out of here and quit. And I couldn't afford that because I didn't have the time to do everything that was going on, right? So it was uncomfortable for a while. So I get to the point, I have enough assets, enough, enough cash flow coming in uh, to start building this infrastructure at Spalding Group and Prime Painters. And at that point, I hire uh, CJ, chief operating officer, she oversees all the managers and the hiring and uh, the operations of the real estate once we buy it. It was the assets that allowed me to hire my area of weakness so that I could go out and do my area of strength, right? Hired her Everyone on the staff left except for Ava, who's our controller. Ava's been with us since 2017. Everyone else left because they didn't have the core values nor the capacity to do the job. And um, we've just been able to c- continue to hire people. Right, the painting side. Like I have never once painted one of our painting projects. We're going to do close to a million dollars our first 12 months. But I've hired. We've we've had people on board that were you know uh, content creator. We've had sales reps. We've had project managers. We've had painters. Um, we've got controllers, we've got bookkeepers because all of that stuff, it doesn't make sense for me to keep doing that stuff. There's so many people out there that, that I hear all the time. I want to do this alone. I don't want partners. I don't employees are partners, by the way, they're partners. Like you need help. You can't be your own attorney, your own accountant. If you're looking to do big things, you can't be a solopreneur and build something that is worth a lot of value, build a legacy. You just can't do it. So, so it's why I love this question and I'm just kind of ranting right now. Um, but then as you're hiring, here's the next thing, right? So I talked a little bit about the first people that I hired, then transferring into like where we're at now you know, with CJ running the show and all that stuff. But then it also gets to a point when you fine tune it even more that you are very, very sure the people that you're hiring have all of your core values and the capacity slash potential to do the job because if they don't have your core values it's really hard to have conversations with them because they're going to take everything personally even though you're trying to give constructive feedback so that they can better themselves and better the company if they don't have your core values they're they're probably also not going to get the results that you want to get um then we look at the capacity after the core values. That's always super important when it comes to hiring. Then we look at the capacity to do the job, right? I'd rather have someone that has all of our core values and not that much experience or don't really know how and teach them how to do the actual task than someone who has none of our core values, but is a pro at what they're doing because they just won't fit in anyways. So that's just some tips. That's just um, me talking a little bit about, you know, I I dove in a little bit deeper and twisted the question a little bit, but I think just answering the question that you answered wouldn't have been fair. So just trying to give you uh, a little bit more advice on that, a little bit more insight. Um, People on YouTube that are live right now, how many people we got live? 16. 16. Give me some feedback. How you guys, uh, how you guys liking this so far? Uh, Good good feedback. feedback? Okay, cool. Um, Next question. How many property managers do you have for entire portfolio? So a good rule of thumb is for every 100 units, we have one maintenance tech and uh, one property manager. So our 200 unit building, we've got a property manager, we've got a leasing uh, specialist, and then we've got two maintenance techs. So we've got four full-time staff out at our 200 unit property. now that that being said, sometimes I know we've hired seasonal help out there for maintenance techs and stuff like that. So we've been at four and a half, but that's a good rule of thumb of where you want to be, um, you know, the, by uh, January, 2021. So a month from now we'll be at 700 units. Um, and, you know, that's where we're going to hire a regional manager as well um, to get some of the stuff off CJ's plate, our chief operating officer, because it's, it's a lot right now. Um, so that's how many managers we have. That's a pretty simple question. How did you make the decision to start your investment fund and how'd you scale it? I made the decision because, so in Rich Dad Poor Dad, talking about books, going back to the earlier question, Rich Dad Poor Dad, Dad, it talks about using other people's money, OPM, other people's money, and how that can build wealth. And so we bought the four unit, we bought the second four unit, and we had a lot of success there. It came time to buy um, the storage units, and at that point in time, we were able to raise $60,000, And that's all we needed to raise to close a million dollar deal. I don't need to go into all those details right now. We raised $60,000. All that came from an outside investor. I had zero money in the deal, but I still owned 72% of the deal. That deal built a lot of wealth for me, obviously, right? So that right there, that decision to be able to do that. And and in return, obviously for that $60,000, that investor is super thrilled. She's gone on to invest in us with with us and four other deals, I think, because we've been able to do some awesome things with her money and she's getting cash flow every month. Um, so it's never just about me and the benefits that it does for me, but there's some huge benefits in private equity and having investment funds because we're getting, we get a quarter percent management fee on the capital that's invested. So if we've got $20 million of capital annually, that's well, what's, what's 1% of 20 million, that's 200000 So it's 50,000. We're very light on our asset management fee. Um, for the standpoint of, I want to attract investors. I want to get paid for performance, not just managing people's money so we get a quarter percent on the total capital that is um invested with us and then how it works is all the capital my money in these deals are treated just like all of our other investors money and all the money gets a six percent preferred return but then with the cash that's left above and beyond that it's a 70 30 split 70 percent back to the investors and 30 percent back to our investment fund so now for performance we start to get more of the the profits that are left above the preferred returns. And now we still do that while we're, and our goal in all of our deals is to two and a half to three X our investors money. So now if we're two and a half to three xing our investors money, they're pretty, there's some pretty insanely good returns for our private equity company. So that's why I started it. Um, I scaled it real quick. I scaled it because, or how, how did I scale it? I scaled it just by promoting our track record. I mean, I'm not scared to get on the phone and ask people for money. I'm not I'm not scared to get on the phone and tell them, hey, these are the benefits of investing with us. I'm not scared to get on the phone and say, hey, here's our track record so far. I'm not scared to get on the phone with someone 12 times with a span of six months or eight months to be able to get them to be an investor with us. I know that everyone I talk to will invest with us at some point, it's just a sales process. Um, so that's kind of how it was just sharing and spreading the news of our track record, where we want to go and, uh, what deals we have available and when, because there's some de- there's some people that, that invest in certain deals with us, but they don't invest with other deals. They don't invest in other deals with us because those deals don't fit what they want to be invested in. And that's fine. Um, so through that time, I've just really been, uh, diligent and intentional in sharing our story with everybody. And I've built the database, it's like 350 people is all, it's not crazy amount of people um, to to invest with us. And we've raised, uh, I think around 25 million bucks or so. So, I just wanna see some of the comments quick. So, uh, yeah, and someone else, Duplex Joe is saying, Rich Dad Poor Dad should be a must read for all high school students. Yeah, so Duplex Joe, I actually, my stepdaughter is seven. I don't think she's watching, but I got her that book for Christmas, so if she's watching. Uh, So yeah, all right, how do structure payout percentages for you and your investors, who gets paid first? The money always gets paid first, right? Who always has the most money in a deal? Usually the bank, the mortgage is always due first, right? So you pay the mortgage, Um, then the investors get paid, the investors will get paid their preferred return. Once again, I get a preferred return as well because my cash is treated just like Joe who comes off the street and invests with us. So if Joe invests $100,000, he's going to get 6% before I get anything, before our investment fund gets anything. Um I get 6% on my money that I personally put in before our investment comp- our investment fund company, our private equity company gets paid anything. So that preferred return has to be paid out first and then um it's split 70/30 like I talked about before. And then once it's a 12% annualized return, you backfill for all those years, it's a 50-50 split. 50 going to, 50% going to the investors and 50% to the investment fund. Um, Now, so basically like our investment fund's not getting paid unless we're performing. We gotta be paying out to our investors to get paid at the investment fund, private equity fund level. Next question. Still got people on instagram here 14. what range of rate of return can your investors expect what the minimum so to to answer the questions and let, that was the first question then he's got another another one in here he's got a three for one here Diedrich, man you're special you got three for one what is a minimum investment requirement how often do you investor opportunities arise so the minimum investment's 50k right now uh we have opportunities that arise, I don't know, two or three times a year. Uh, hopefully this year it'll be four or five different deals that we'll put together. Uh, that'll take us to 1500 to 2000 units. What range of rate of return can your investors expect? Uh, we typically, cash flow from a cash flow perspective, year one, depending on the deal, will be anywhere from 6% up to 10% cash on cash, year one. but. Each deal usually works out so that through the lifetime of the deal, by the time we sell it, so including cash flow distributions every month, which start about 60 to 90 days into the project after we close it. But so when you add in the cash distributions every month, you add in the sales proceeds or refine and or refinance proceeds. We're looking at two and a half to three times people's money in five to 10 years. I always say five to 10 years because I want to give myself more time and want people to realize that their money could be tied up longer than short term, but we've yet to actually hold the deal for longer than five years. So we've been able to, and we've been able to hit all those numbers every time so far. So good question, Diedrich. What time are we have? Uh, 2.15. 45 minutes in, what question number is this do we know? 10. Question number 10, we're cranking our way right, right through. How do we contact how do i contact property owners when interested in buying their property well if we're just going straight to the source and we're trying to get a hold of the uh, property owners it's just about networking but that's a pretty cliche and boring answer so if you're not well networked yet start networking because right now a lot of it just comes through networking (laughs) how many times can i say the word networking uh but now here's, a, here's the better answer, and this is how I really got started. And, and actually, this is what I still do today. I've got a property database. I mean, I drive, I walk, I run the streets, I take down addresses of buildings that I think fit what we're looking to do. I write down the addresses. I add it to the Excel document that I have. And what I do then is I, um, I will, I'll go and find the tax parcel information. So pretty much wherever you're at, you can find out who owns a property, whether it's an individual person or an LLC. So if I go to the tax, the the, uh, county website, I can find the tax records. I can find that parcel by searching by the address. I then click on that parcel, click on that address, and up pops the owner. Now, when the owner comes up, it'll be an individual person. If it's an individual person right there, I then go to White Pages. I pay $5 a month for whitepages.com. I search that person and I just, there's like usually six numbers listed for each person. I just start calling it. I just start calling them. That's how I do it. Now, if you go and you, you see that the owner is an LLC or some type of a corporation or a business and there's no individual, the next step in Wisconsin, we can go to uh, Wisconsin corporates is what I Google. And I can go to a website that then allows me to type in the corporation and it allows me to see who the registered agent is of that corporation. And a lot of times it's the person that owns it. And then I'm going to the white pages and searching that person. Sometimes that might be the property manager. Sometimes that could be the management company. Sometimes that could be an attorney for the person. Um, but like for our portfolio, for example, someone can track me down through all those things if they wanted to, because I'm the per- I'm the registered agent. Um, so that's what I do. And then it's just uh, once again, a cold calling uh, situation where you get on the phone and uh, um, dial it up and you got to be able to here's an example you got to be able to call over and over again just like I talked about before I just saw a property let uh not last Friday the Friday before so like 10 days ago it's a big property I've been calling on that thing since 2012 with no reply no reply no reply no reply the property stayed in my database and i kept calling and i kept calling and i kept calling i probably called that property since 2012 i've probably called that one slash emailed that one slash, slash send like mail to that one i would guess 30 times probably and uh finally happened where got in touch with them uh and made a call and he picked up the phone and met him out there to, to, to do it. So being able to pick up the phone and get this database going pays dividends. It just takes time. And uh, once again, this world is so short sighted and everyone wants something right now that it's like, they can't be patient and work hard for it. So just work hard, put your head down and start making calls. Next question. Passive income tips while in college. Um. This whole passive thing is really tricky because I do say passive income, but really what it needs to be is to get your money working for you because even your money working for you is not completely passive. You gotta still watch it and pay attention. My investors still pay attention to the money they give me. These are smart people. They're not just like blindly you know, going along, right? So nothing's completely passive. Uh, when you're in college, you obviously probably don't have a ton of funds at your disposal because really like, what are you gonna do with 100 bucks that then becomes passive? That hundred dollars even if it were to pay you one percent interest is gonna pay you one dollar a year passively right and really like if it's sitting in a savings account right now or whatever it's gonna pay you like 0.25 or 0.05 percent interest whatever uh, so it's like less than a penny. Um, my my a better recommendation is instead of passive buy and flip things because relative in relative terms that's way more passive than working at McDonald's. You gotta show up and work at McDonald's. You're gonna get paid 10, $12 an hour. You gotta work 40 40 hours a week to make, what, 120, you know, 480 bucks a week at McDonald's. You gotta work 40 hours. You can make $480 getting involved in direct sales or going and flipping stuff. And and you can do that in maybe one day, less than a day per week. So I would encourage you, instead of worrying about passive income, because passive income just ain't coming to you unless you can get money working for you, Get get involved in direct sales. I'm involved in direct sales. I got a direct sales company that I'm a part of still today. It paid me $4,500 last month. Um, so you can get a hold of me if you want to be on my team. Um, that's a great idea. There's a lot of them out there. There's a lot of different products. You can find something you're passionate about or enjoy and get involved in that. Or go and flip stuff. Buy and flip it i i you can find if you ever watch undercover billionaire billionaire that show like you can go find stuff and flip it you watch Gary Vee. you can go find stuff and flip it but um try to get good at something get good at sales right go get a different type of sales job and do that part time go sell those uh those those knives door to door build a skill while you don't have to commit to 40 hours a week while you're in school if that's what you want to do but passive income while you're in college completely passive I mean you just unless you already have a million bucks you can just go put it to work somewhere not really able to do it what suggestions do you have for college students wanting to get involved in real estate so just basically do exactly what I did because this is exactly who I was in 2008 9 10 and 11 through 12 I don't know I was only in school for like three and a half years but I graduated high school in 2008 so the fall of 2008 you know oh nine it's the same thing that i did you know a little over a decade ago i was you i was this person and uh my suggestions are one you got to learn you got to learn you got to find a way to make money you got to save that money with a mindset that you're going to invest it you got to go out and look for investment opportunities and then you got to pull the trigger on those investment opportunities and put your money to work those are the five steps right there those are the suggestions that i have for college students high school students 20-year-old, 30-year-old, 40-year-old, 50-year-old, 60-year-old, 70-year-old, 80-year-old, 90-year-old, 100-year-old, 110, 120, 130-year-old. Those are the five steps right there. Those are the suggestions that I have if you want to go out and get involved in real estate. Um, Anyone can just go out and start looking at deals. Pull up the MLS, find a duplex, find a four-unit, find an eight-unit that's for sale, go look at it. Get the financials on it, get the rent rolls. How much money is it bringing in each month? How much money is going out each month? right look at it like how much they spending on lawn care if it's more than you think it could be right there you might have found a property that could be a deal because you can lower expenses right but in the big picture of things if you can't take the time to learn and find a way to make money which goes back to kind of the the passive question like you got to find a way to make money for me right I learned from 08 to uh, you know 2012 all I did was learn and look at deals Once I started learning, I found a way to make money. I got involved in direct sales. Direct sales paid me $300,000 from 2012 to 2016 or something like that. The entire $300,000 then was put into real estate investments and investments that paid me every single month. Those are the first steps that I would do. You gotta find a way to learn. Pick up some of those books that I recommended before. Go get Rich Dad Poor Dad, pick that up, read it so it opens up your mind. Next, go out and find a way to make money. Now, once you start to make that money, don't spend it on stupid stuff. Don't go out and buy a home right away don't go out and buy the newest iphone my phone's three freaking years old i got shoes that are year old like don't go out and buy all the newest stuff before you can afford it save the money with the mindset you're gonna invest it and then get out and start looking at deals once you get to a position where you've saved enough money and you've looked enough deals you'll find the right deal even if you don't have enough money to close that deal on your own you'll You'll be able to be smart enough by that point to say, look, I'm gonna put every dime I have into this property, it's $50,000. You'll be able to go find another investor at that point who will give you 100, who will give you 200 to make the other portion happen, you will. You gotta do those steps in that order. And then once you start to get a vision for what your life can be and stuff, share that with other people. You're gonna attract more people in who might invest with you, who could teach you something don't just go to you know another thing you you specifically i think the question was specifically for college person right yeah don't go to college just to go to college go to college to build relationships with people go to college to be an intern with someone who's super successful in the company in real estate that owns property go to college to network and and show up show up to all the events where the president's gonna be there and all the donors are gonna be there and introduce yourself and tell them what you wanna do. That right there would be worth a college education because now you're paying for relationships. If you go to college, you go to Harvard, you will, <laughs> you go to Harvard, you go to uh, Penn, you go to the University of Dubuque where I went from, you're better off spending that 30, 40, 50, $60,000 a year, you're better off meeting people in building those relationships with people like that and telling people what you want to do, then you are sitting in, just sitting in the classroom, soaking it up. That would be a waste. That would be a waste. There we go. Next question. I think Eddie had a question on uh, is the 12% backfill only at sale? Yeah, Eddie, that's only at sale. Typically, I mean, you can start in our documents, my documents, I can start to do that sooner if I want to and if the property is uh, um, profitable enough. But right now, we haven't got to that point yet. So it's, it'll be at sale. Uh, saving tips. Don't buy the newest iPhone. Don't buy the newest pair of shoes. Don't have 46 pairs of shoes. Don't buy the newest car for the longest time. I was, I, I probably could afford a car that was 1500 bucks a month and I was spending $220 a month with insurance and my payments on my car. For the longest time, I was renting an apartment for $800 to $950 a month, when I could have had a a mortgage for $6,000 a month, $5,000 a month, $8,000 a month, whatever it might be. The place that you live is not an investment. It's not paying you every single month. I don't care what anyone says. It's not paying you every single month. It is not an investment. If that's the first thing that you do, it's just gonna slow you down in 99% of the cases. There's gonna be a 1% that can prove me wrong and I know how you can prove me wrong and all that stuff. Uh, as you make more money, you're, my, as I made more money, when I went from my first year out of college, I think I made Ryder like uh, 11 grand or something like that, 12 grand. As I started to make more money, my expenses did not go up. When my income, when I got my car, and i was paying the 220 or whatever it was between 200 and 250 a month uh when i was making $2500 a month and when i went up to $6000 a month my car payment stayed the same how many pairs of shoes i had stayed the same the cell phone the how often i bought a new cell phone stayed the same i would use it till it break and i have to go get a new one um i wasn't buy i buy new clothes once every 18 months Right? So it's making decisions like that because when you're just starting, every dollar matters. But the thing is, is if you can play offense and get to the point where you've saved enough and you can start playing offense where your money's paying you, you have so many more options in life where it doesn't matter as much. Uh, the other reason that you wanna be able to save to then buy cash flow producing assets is because I didn't wanna live, it's not like I wanted to live that way forever. I don't wanna live that way forever. I don't wanna just have a $200 a month payment I don't wanna just have an $800 a month rent payment, but I had to do what I had to do to get me to the place that I had to get to in order to then have some of the things I wanted to start having, right? So it's being wise, being smart. Don't care what, I like, you know how many people like, right now my collar's probably looking pretty fine, right? Roger, Roger, damn it, Ryder. It's looking pretty fine right now, but I don't mean, sometimes I'll be on here, I'll do this, dude, fix your collar. My collar will be crooked. It's the last thing that I'm worried about. I've never been in a business meeting. The guys that write me a five and a half million dollar check on a property could care less what my collar looks like. They could care less if it's like this, if it's like this, if it's all crinkly, they do not care as long as I can perform and do what I say I'm gonna do. They don't care what I'm wearing. When I've met with them, I've never had a suit and tie on. They've never actually had a suit and tie on. A regular little polo and shorts, they came and showed up one day. And these guys are like uber well, like, Some of the the things in this world just blow my mind. It goes back to how money really works and who money really flows to. Saving tips. That was it. You got anything? You want to chime in at all or what? No, I'm good. How many people we got live over there? I think we reached up to 20 at one point. We got 15. now. Yeah. Hi, mom. Hi, dad. (laughs) What does my personal daily schedule look like? So Ryder knows this, just being around me a little bit. A lot of it's in office, on phone call, like on the computer, answering emails, getting out, looking at deals, right? Um, My calendar is actually uh, ebbs and flows. Like I, I I can come and go. I don't, it's rare that my calendar is just completely like rock solid booked. It doesn't mean I don't have activities to fill, right? I got, I have time slots filled with things I need to get done, but when something more important comes up, I have no care in the world to switch things around and, and move them. I like to be able to be fluid. So when big things do come up, I can show up, right? Um, so that, that's kind of, you know, when I, when I, personal daily schedule, what say, you know, going into a little bit more detail. I mean, I wake up from, it can be anywhere between five and 7.30 a.m. depending on the day. Usually in the week, I'm up between five and 6.20 a.m. Um, you know, usually go to bed, I mean, my wife's a freaking night, night owl, so I usually go to bed, and she's usually up a little bit later than me, but I usually go to bed between 10.30 and uh, 11.40, um, and then on the weekends, you know, there's some weekends, I would say one out of 14 days, sleep in until like nine on a weekend, um, but other than that, I'm, I'm usually up and at them, um, go to bed semi late, but I get enough, I get enough rest, when I need a nap on a weekend, like I take a nap, I sleep where I need to sleep. Uh, what else is my daily schedule, um, been inconsistent lately with my workouts. Usually I like to, uh, previously past in my past, I would work out in the morning. Um, typically my workout schedule lately has actually been better where I've worked out on the weekends and then use the, the back end and the front and the weeks to get my other workouts in versus doing it in the middle of the week for some reason, like it just doesn't work for me. So, um, so that's what that looks like, but the rest is just, I mean, it's meetings, it's phone calls. It's the most important thing. Like everyone's worried about their schedule. Being too busy or they're saying they're too busy well no it's just it's not important enough that's fine just say it's not important enough you're not too busy you're never too busy like you can be two places at once if you have to be right if you overbook yourself you're in a good position it's okay take the most important thing roll with it push back and delay the things that aren't more i had i had two things today that i had to say hey guys i gotta cancel this i gotta move it to tomorrow or a different day because it fell down the the radar or the list of importance. Uh, I wanna knock out the big things, the important things, the hard things. I wanna be able to knock those things out now, right? And a lot of times, like even if my schedule is double booked, I can still get both of them done. But It's a mindset thing. All right. 2.30, last question. Ooh, 2.30, we timed out pretty good. Wanna be on here for an hour and on here for an hour? Kevin Albright, do you know Kevin? Uh-huh. I think he's, I'm 99% sure Kevin's from, no. I just can't see his picture right now because I know his I know his face when I see him. Um and I think that's Kevin. But Kevin. Yeah, Kevin's from Milton for sure. Look him up. Uh is that, he plays in the alumni basketball tournament. I always see him there. Oh really? Yeah, Am I might then. Uh his real estate question right now is regards to condos. How to analyze financial health of a condo association before purchasing. Kevin, I threw you on here because um I like you, man. And uh but I don't have the best answer for you and i'm not going to just sit here and act like i do i don't deal much with condos um i've never even looked at a condo deal the things that i would look at is just once again you have the income and expenses what are they who, who are they going to what what what's it entail what services are you getting for those expenses uh can rents and in the value of the properties be be boosted and if so at what cost or at what investment and is, is it worth it um as far as looking at like the financial health of a condo association, I don't I don't know cuz I don't it's not what I do. I don't know. But I can tell you this, always the asset comes first. What condition's the asset in? Wh- how much is it going to take to get it to where it needs to be to be able to perform for you? Um so I I know I'm not a lot of help for you there, but thank you for your question. So what that that's the last question? That's it. All right, cool. Um yeah, for sure. Duplex Joe. No doubt about it. Delayed gratification is like the eighth wonder of the world. And thank you. Those are solid saving tips. I know because they work. The stuff that I'm giving you guys on the podcast and on Instagram and Instagram, Facebook, like the things that I talk about, it might seem repetitive or whatever, but it's because it's what I'm actually doing every single day. It's what I've done since 2009. It's what I've done. Actually, a lot of the stuff too, even applied to like sports in a way. So I've been doing this like my whole life i'm not and if i don't know a question i'm not just gonna make some shit up and like act like i do i don't know if i don't if i don't know i'm gonna tell you i don't know and i can tell you my thoughts and what i think uh and i can probably be pretty close with an assumption and a guess but i'm not gonna tell you something if i don't know it so appreciate you guys hopping in to the first show what are we calling our show The The just the Justin Spaulding show. Appreciate you guys tuning in to the first episode of the Justin Spaulding show. Thank you so much. It'd be awesome if you did go check out my book. If you haven't got it already, www.justinspaulding.com. You can see it right down here. Um, go check it out, go pick it up. Um, I know we've had some shipping delays lately and it's been annoying and stuff, but I think that's just the world right now. I think everyone's facing that you'll love the book. It's my entire basically story from, you know, I share parts of it from growing up, but then mainly from, um, you know, starting with nothing and just learning and not knowing anything about real estate. I talk about that and how I got to gain knowledge. I talk about my whole process, how I got my first property and how I saved, um, how I did some of these bigger deals, how I set up our fund, our private equity fund, um, and took on other investors, how I got those investors. I go into depth on every single deal that we did using the numbers and everything. So if you haven't got the book, yeah, Eddie, I know Eddie's a great, uh, he's been a a great supporter over the years. Uh, he enjoyed the book. Um, but yeah, would love, would love for you guys to get the book. I know it'll help you. Would love to hear what you think about the book. And, uh, if you could subscribe to, uh, my YouTube page, that'd be awesome that that's where we're going to do this live every week. Yes. The recording will still be up there, but if you could subscribe, if you could share anyone looking to get, you know, more knowledge on money on business, All types of business on money cash flow business investing um capital expenditures in a business uh, whatever it might be uh, we want to be able to be a resource for those people so if you could share it with those people that that would be uh impacted and would enjoy this that'd be awesome if you have other questions based on things that we went over today that you want me to go more in depth on next week let us know i think they can put them in the comments right like we said before, or you can let me know via Instagram, Facebook, wherever. Let us know. We can add them to next week's show. Hope you tune in with us next week. Share it, like it, comment on it, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Have a Merry Christmas, by the way. I don't think we'll see you guys on the podcast, obviously, before Christmas. Have a Merry, Merry, Merry Christmas.